Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You know, it's funny, every time we do a show with George Lois, it usually ends up being two shows because there's just too much great information not to share. And uh, this has been uh, no exception to that rule. This is part two, an encore presentation of the advertising show uh, with George Lois on his new book, Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, a no-holds-barred guide to success from the man who made you want your MTV. Damn Good Advice for People with Talent. It's coming out March 14th. Uh, Vanity Fair is doing a a feature on it in uh, their March issue as well. Look at the page called Fanfare, and you'll see George and Muhammad Ali as he did the photo shoot with uh, with Muhammad uh, way back uh, way back in the '60s. There. So today, part two, as we promised, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Uh, visit online at adage.com, the advertising show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. And let's get started with uh, part two of our interview with George Lois. Every idea in this new book is a belief lived to the fullest by the man, Irving Penn, uh, called a heroic figure. Each lesson is a mind blower and a possible life changer for anyone in a creative-driven industry, as well as an introduction to the art of branding and salesmanship for young entrepreneurs. The book is called Damn Good Advice for People with Talent. It's a fighting book. It's out in March. You can go to Amazon.com and look at it now. How to Unleash Your Creative Potential by America's Master Communicator, George Lois. Part two of our interview. George, welcome back to the show. Pleasure to have you Thank here. You. Thank you. I had a question for you here, too. And well, First of all, how do we figure out this out? Never, ever work for bad people. What does that mean? Well, you know, of course, you never would take an account or work for anybody who you know is a bad, is a bad guy, you know, but uh, I found out, uh, uh, you know, in 1963, on November 22nd, when the, when the president, when uh, our great John Kennedy was shot, um, you know, uh, we, we all went into shock when we heard the, the, the news, and, uh, you know, when I, when the first thing I, I thought of when I, when my, you know, professionally, whether we had to get commercials that we were running off the air. Uh, a little bit, I know that the, uh, the, the that they if they wound up taking all the commercials off, but I didn't want anything of ours running that was in bad taste. So I, I had all our account guys calling our accounts and saying we're, we're pulling the account, we're pulling the advertising. And one of our account guys called a, 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 a national airlines client, which was an important airline in, in the Northeast at the time, and uh, that's a good old Southern boy. And he said, uh, and he said to uh, our account guys, I think you boys in New York are blowing this all out of proportion. And uh, and I, he told me about it. I jumped on the phone. And I said, "Gee, Dan, uh, I guess you haven't heard that the president's been shot." And this guy said, "Sheed, um, Lois." He said, "He's dead. Hell, we're celebrating." Oh my God! And, and I said, "Hey, Dan, uh, kiss my New York ass." <laughs> Slammed down the phone, and um, it was surprise, surprise. The next morning, we got fired. Uh, when I told everybody why we lost the account. Everybody at the agency was so proud of uh, of of me and proud of our agency. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, uh, I couldn't have worked for that guy for another second. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the point is, um, 
even a broader point, you know, even when you don't run into people that's this terrible. If you smell a guy, if you smell a client, man or woman is a is a, is, a, is not a nice person. You know, life is too short. You know, if you want to work with people that are energizing, that people that who are who are looking to get the best out of you, people who are who are uh, who are gentlemen, people. You know, you know, you want to work with good people. You know, uh, it's kind of a simple lesson. You know. Uh, and, and certainly you don't want to work directly for somebody, you know, I mean, I'm talking about an ad agency, you know, working with somebody. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're working directly for, for a prick, you know, get out of there. Yeah, and you know, we've all maybe at early times in our career had to work for somebody we didn't uh, sure, yeah. care for, but yet at the same time, it's about respect. And if you don't have your client's respect, well... Sure, you don't have to love the person. Right. You don't have to love the client. You right. don't have to love your boss. But, you know, you, you demand their respect. You know, uh, George, uh, I'm going to skip to another question here that I think is very meaningful to what we're going to be talking about today. And your whole book is meaningful. I don't mean to... Uh, suggest otherwise, but I don't remember who it was that said uh, your wife's not an idiot; she's uh, the consumer, or something to that effect. I think that was Ogilvy. Or yeah, was Ogilvy it? said, hey, "Don't uh, don't insult uh, uh, don't insult the woman. Uh, don't insult people. The woman you insult might be your, might be your wife." Yeah, hmm. and you well, you have a couple chapters that I think tie in uh, to this topic very beautifully. Uh, one of your chapters is entitled. If you think people are dumb, you'll spend a lifetime doing dumb work, which really <laughs> says a lot. And then another chapter further on into your book uh, is entitled, Most Designers Forget That Their Work Must Talk to Human Beings First. And I, I see similarities between the two, although they, sure. take, it, they take an attack from different uh, sure, angles. Sure, but sure. Uh, you're, you I, say... I don't, I don't think there's anything more important than me saying to anybody out there in any creative industry if you think people are dumb you'll spend a lifetime doing dumb work mm -hmm. yeah i mean you you know uh you know you know i say people are smart as hell i mean they may not be smart about voting for people like nixon etc but they are basically are smart and i and i and and when you talk to most agency um heads in america you will listen if you listen hard enough they will tell you how dumb people are and they and and they they will literally tell you how they d supposedly dumb down their advertising so that they, they that their, their advertising can pass re uh, research you know um, and it, it's a problem because you know, really great, great idea is, is, is a problem in, in research. Any really shocking idea can do can do badly. But the point is that if you if you continue, if you do work that's dumbed down and stupid, you're you know, if you think people are dumbed down are, are stupid, you will do awful work. You know, you will never do great work. You know, uh, you know, people respond to an idea. They respond to a strong central concept or image, especially if it's represented in a warm human way. And and if you don't believe that, you'll just be a bubble in your life. Yeah, aim high and you'll hit the target. Aim low and uh, consumers I mean, will... It, it's such an obvious piece of advice, but I've got to tell you, if you talk to the agency presidents today or yesterday... They're trying to be safe. They will tell you how... 
how they have to talk to the lowest common denominator. Mm. Mm. And they will literally say those words to you. Mm. Wow. Now, now, when you're talking about the um, about the logotypes, you know that's another a big point of mine. Um, if you look at the logotypes designed in the, in the history, through the history of the world, you know, um, basically ninety-five uh, percent of them are geometrics, geometric shapes, etc. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and and a lot of them are very famous because you've seen them so long and so and they they become so obvious, you know. But I'm t- I say that most designers forget that their work must talk to human beings. And that when you do a a, 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 a a logotype, you literally should be able to look at that logotype and get the gist of what that company's all about. Yeah. You know? I mean, for instance, when I. Uh, when I did, uh, when I created the name Lean Cuisine, you know, the, the words Lean were in thin type, and Cuisine was in ch- chubbier type. You know, that's mm-hmm. very simple. When I did the logo, uh, Jiffy Lube logo, I have a, the, the, you know, a a a, 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 a arrow that that go that forms in a J that uh, that looks like a roadmap going into, in a certain direction. You know, when I did a uh, logo for a uh, for a, a, a great uh, you know hamburger, a, a great. Uh, a, Frankfurt, a place in New York back in the 60s, called, called it Zoom Zoom, the, the letters are in the, in the shapes of, of, of Frankfurt. When I did the Morton Downey Jr. show, that big mouth, the son of a bitch, you know, the, the logo was a giant mouth, you know. With the, uh, the point is... Well, that, and wait uh, a minute, in talking about the mouth, didn't you design the MTV logo? Yeah, the point is, uh, yeah, and, and what I really did is I put that the Rolling Stone logo in the middle coming out of it, you yeah. know, looking like... The point is... And I say this, when people go into designing logos, they, they normally start designing, you know, you know, architecturally and geometrically rather than looking to, you know, put meaning into the, into the design. So I say if you can't get meaning into your design, there's no meaning to your work. Yeah, and, and so many, it doesn't seem that they're thinking, they're, they're really trying to impress themselves often as opposed to connecting with the consumer, don't you and, think? And clients sit there and they say, oh, gee, I like that, uh, that shape, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, if, if, if we run it for five years, maybe it'll, uh, people will know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> so Picasso, uh, George, is quoted as saying, art is the lie that tells the truth. Now, that seems to be counterintuitive. What is Picasso saying and why are you such a fan of that quote? Um... Well, what that really, my, my point about, and it may be a major point in, in creating advertising, is that, if you, is that most products are, almost every product that you work on in advertising are, are as good as another product. There are very, very few products that have come out with that's a better product. You know, maybe serography in my, in my time was, was more... Was more uh, was better, but mostly, you know, if you're going to do, uh, you know, a perfume, it's going to be, you know, no better than another perfume. Most cars are no better than than, than, than other cars. Um, so uh, the, the, my point is that you have to create advertising um, that uh, where the advertising in and of itself becomes a benefit of the product. In other words, when you look, when you think of that brand. You're excited about the advertising as, and, and because the advertising kind of helps give the the, uh, the product a personality and, 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 and an exciting imagery. I, I can't tell you. I, I I was attacked. I've been attacked a lot of times by the advertising press, but back in the early '60s, I was really ripped for that one. 
that, that great advertising in and of itself becomes a benefit of the product. They said, are you serious? What are you talking about? Mm. I said, yeah. I'm t- if you do advertising to, 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 perfectly, if you do it with, the, with, the, with, with power and you do it innovatively, cars will, the car you advertise will drive better, the perfume you're advertising will smell better, mm. and the food you're advertising will taste better. I mean, and if, and, and that, um, I am, I, and that's the art, and that's Picasso's line, art is the lie that tells the truth. It's, the point is, it, you're, you're saying that these products are great products, but the advertising in and of itself makes them an even more exciting product. That is what advertising was all about. If you don't believe that, you don't understand that that's what advertising is, then get the heart of the business. Mm-hmm. And if we're in the uh, neighborhood here of Picasso, in art and such, uh, one of your uh, one of your chapters talks about to consistently inspire breakthrough conceptual thinking. I go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art religiously every Sunday. How does that uh, How does that work? Um, well, I mean, uh, to me, uh, to me, the, the DNA of talent is stored within the great museums of the world, and 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 when you. And 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 there's constant epiphanies. You walk through the museum of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and room in in every room there's twelve epiphanies where you can look at them if you really understand what you're looking at and be thrilled. And and that those epiphanies can literally enter enter the, the central nervous system and the deep recesses of your mind. I mean, somehow that that. Understanding that shock of the old, that shock of the, of, the, of those epiphanies, is something that young people have got to get immersed in. They have to get immersed in the seven thousand great, incredible, uh, you know, center, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, seven thousand years of, of incredible art that's been uh, uh, that, that that was produced, and that somehow. Somehow, and I think I say something that mysteriously, the history of the art of mankind can inspire breakthrough conceptual thought of any field. I mean, I can, I can almost. I did a book called, uh, you know, George Lois on his creation of the big idea, and I, and, and I don't know if you remember it, but on the left-hand page, I have what inspired me in the history of art to do something that I had on the right-hand page. I mean, I can literally. Go through, and I know we have done it with the uh, with that book, uh, uh, George Orwell's on his creation of the big idea. I, I I showed like sixty things I saw that I, that that I, in, in the art world that inspired me to do what I did on the right hand page. Hmm. You know, George, we're going to take a break, but before we do that, uh, I want you to share a story that I know you've told several times before, never on this show, but uh, and we've had you on. Uh, Gosh, four or five times over the past ten years, we've done over five hundred interviews, and and the highlight for both Ray and I have been talking to you over the past uh, many years, George. But before we wrap up uh, this segment and then follow the se- uh, follow the segment with a uh, final segment for covering your book, damn good advice. You tell a story in your book about Bob Dylan and you approaching Bob Dylan along with one of your associates about rallying, uh, rallying around a, a cause that you were very passionate about, and it, it really came beyond your expectations, but it was a, it's a very interesting and timely story, I think. Share with us about the story, would you? Well, um, I, uh, I, in, uh, in 1975, I read a book that Robert Hart and Carter wrote. He had been in jail for 20-something years, 
uh, I thought the guy was uh, guilty, you know, for killing two white, uh, supposedly killing uh, two white people. And um, uh, I was convinced reading the book that he was innocent. I went to his lawyer. His lawyer convinced me he was innocent. And I got Muhammad Ali to be the head of my committee. And I ran a tiny ad in the paper that seemed like, like it was coming from Ruben Hurricane Carter. I ran it in the New York Times that said I had been in jail for 4,000 something days for crime I did not commit. I mean, an ad coming from the Trenton State Prison in the page two of the New York Times, you know, and from that, and, and, it, and it, when it came out, everybody in America went nuts, like, what the hell, the, the, the New York Times page two, you know, a, you know, a guy, who, a, a, a black guy who killed two white people is writing an ad. Anyway, I, I was able to get on the phone, I called, I got Muhammad Ali, and, and before you knew it, within a week's time, I had something like a, like 60 or 70 famous people who uh, who agreed with me that they, that he uh, should get a new trial, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't stop at that. I went to uh, Bob Dylan, because I thought Dylan was the kind of guy who would be sympathetic to um, to, to, the, to the story of Ruben Hurricane Carter. I went to him, uh, got him to go to, the, to, to prison. Uh, you know, I talked to him about the case. I got to have him talk to the lawyers. He, he believed in it, Carter's innocent. And then I went out, uh, uh, you know, a couple of days later to see him in the gig out in Connecticut, and um, and uh, when he was at the Rolling Thunder Review, and I was kind of gave him a couple of, would have say, hey Bobby, uh, Bobby um, hey, what if you uh, wouldn't it be great if you uh, could write a song? And he said, uh huh, and uh, and then maybe when you write the song, maybe even. To run a, do a concert. Uh-huh. Well, it all happened, you know. Um, mm. uh, you know, I, I think I, I talk about what if, you know. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of the great things about creativity. You say, gee, what if you can do this? What if I can do that? So, so that was me saying one day to myself, I guess, what if I could get Bob Dylan to write a song? And he, of course, he wound up writing this incredible song, Hurricane. You know, uh, you know. Every, every time I hear it, 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 it chokes me up. And uh, and then, what if I can get up to do it? Uh, you know, a you know, a you know, a concert. Not only did he do a concert, um, you know, at Madison Square Garden, but he did a concert in prison. Don't ask me how I got the, the <laughs> warden to that prison to to be do a concert in prison. You know, the point is uh, that it's all it's all the reason I got involved with the, the Ruben Carter was I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm furious about the fact that the guy got screwed. I'm furious the fact that, that it was racial injustice. Uh, what can I do? To, is there anything I can do? I know what. I'll do advertising. <laughs> yeah. And I ran that little ad that started it all and, 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 and raised hell and, and finally got Ruben Carter out of jail, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the way I... That's why I tell... One of the things I teach in my in damn good advice is, is is if any chance you got that you can help, you know, straighten out an injustice, you know, anything you can do to help make the world a better place to live. I mean, anything you can do to get a guy out of jail, anything you can do to 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 to, to get to, 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 to help somebody who's been uh, who's been unfairly criticized, anything you can do, you know, do it as a creative person. You owe it. And that's why another, and that's another reason why, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm called a cultural provocateur, you know, and I love to provoke, you know, and I love to provoke and, uh, and fight a good fight.
great story, George. And a brand new book out, too. Damn good advice for people with talent. George Lois is our special guest here on the advertising show. We're going to take a break for a moment. Come back. Uh, Stay right here. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. The Wall Street Journal calls George Lois the one, the only, prodigy, the founder of agencies, the creator of legends, the son of a Greek florist, continuous to tack his life and his craft with the energy and enthusiasm of a young Zorba. George Lois is a genuine advertising superhero. And uh, you'll see what we mean if you get the book. And the book is incredibly priced. I mean, this is, this is uh, it should be more, but it's not. It's called Damn Good Advice. And, uh, George, welcome back to the show. Good to have you. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, for 10 bucks, that's two fives, that's 10 ones, however you want to pay for it. Available in March, by the way. Yeah. Go to Amazon. March 2011. uh, 12. 2012, yeah. You know, uh, as we mentioned earlier during the interview, uh, wonderful graphics, uh, nice, uh, punchy, easy-to-consume advice throughout your 125 chapters that you tackle in this book and of course you wouldn't expect anything less from a uh, award-winning uh, and also hall of fame art director george lois if i'm sure, <laughs> the guy doesn't just write the advice he art directs his own own material as you would expect and write it <laughs> and write it of course uh, so on one of your pages here's a picture of you george uh, circa 1973 and there you are in your office uh, in, in Manhattan, and you've got your laid-back, uh, 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 your laid-back uh, sneakers on with your white socks, your blue jeans, and your shirt, and you've, uh, you're kicking back. But you're obviously in your corporate setting, even though you sound, uh, by way of my description, that you're you know taking a stroll through Central Park. And you would suggest that it's important to be comfortable, even in a formal setting. Yeah, I. Um you know, I, I, I call it I call it work comfortably, as you can see in a formal setting. And you see me in this beautiful office that I designed. I mean, it's, sp- it's spectacular. And I got my and I'm sitting there on a great Mies van der Rohe chair with an incredible table that's you know bolted into the into this incredible slate floor. And I got my feet up and I wear my Adidas sneakers. You know, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I. Um, I, 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 it's amazing the way I've, I, you go to an architect's office, and these are guys who a great architect design great buildings, and I walk into his office, and the office is a shit house. <laughs> I, I'll never understand it, you yeah. know. Uh, yet the guy's wearing a suit, a beautiful suit, you know. I, it, it, he's got a little backwards. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you should, you should be wearing easy clothes that you can work in where you can run around and you can get and move your ass in a beautiful setting yeah. you know because so I, I love a great beautiful uh, you know architectural setting i mean i think there's nothing more stunning and uh, more exciting to me yeah. to look at the form of a piece of architecture uh, in my own in my own home you know i mean I, I i'm surrounded by art that i buy every penny i always made all my life i went out and bought great art and i live with the great art you know um and, and you don't do it to show off you do it because i, I gotta have it you know but the point is and what's interesting about this shot in the book and, and, and people gonna have to get the book to look at it 
The picture of me laying there, sitting there with my feet up. It happens to be the first pair of Adidas that came to America. Huh. Hmm. Uh, and what happened is the uh, New York Times was doing an article about the, you know uh, uh, about the, uh, people more, more people uh, kind of dressing loosey goosey, starting to dress loosey goosey in the in the uh, in the business world. And a lot of people say, "Yeah, I've got to see Lois." Not only does he, uh, you know, when they, you know, he when he goes out to, to to the four seasons to eat, he wears a beautiful suit. But you know, in his, in his office, he wears, he wears torn jeans, and he wears these funny shoes. The Times called me up and they said, can they come to see me? They came to see me and they were looking at these shoes. They were Adidas. They were, they were, free, they were performance shoes. But nobody had seen them in America. So they took a photograph of me. This is the photograph that the Times took. And, it, and that was literally... so. And they ran the next day, you know, almost a half-page photograph of the New York Times talking about... And, and they showed these to me where, you know, and they basically talked a little bit about the shoes. So, and... and uh, I tell everybody, they don't think of me as a fashionista, but I brought uh, sports performance shoes to America. So up, so up yours. <laughs> hey, George, in uh, Chapter 119, you're talking about uh, creating advertising that is an icon rather than a con. An icon rather than a con. It depends on the deep belief that your message is more than the purchase of a product or service. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you have, yeah, I mean, you got to be passionate about everything you do, you know. And and you know, and it's, sometimes the the, the the product you're working on isn't a passionate thing, but the passion can, can be put in there. I, I really sum up, uh, you know, I can sum up a lot of what I say in a book in, into three things. I say to young people, to to, to anybody, reject group group, reject sitting there working with other people and thinking about it and talking about it it's bullshit you got to sit and you got to delve into your into your talent delve into your and into your in, in, into what you got and you got to come up with ideas and don't you can't do it in a group then reject analysis paralysis at that point, when you do something great, man, don't get involved with the, with the, you know, with the, with the, with the schmuck, with the, uh, you know, uh, the devil's advocate guy, you know. Yeah. So it's reject group group, reject analysis paralysis, and lastly, and more importantly, reject con, create icon, reject doing dull, stiff, stupid bullshit, you know, and that's what I mean by con. Create icon. You can create, and an over my career, I can look at dozens of things I've done in advertising and dozens of, of Esquire covers I've done that people have called and people consider iconic. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, I, it's not, it's not, it's not bullshit. It's not bullshit talk when I say create, reject con, create icon. You can create work that lives forever. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, the Esquire covers of the 60s. If you're interested in learning more, go to georgelois.com. You'll see all those Esquire covers that truly are a part of the uh, history of uh, magazine covers and have become iconic uh, uh, visuals that as you look at them, it'll be, oh, yeah, I remember this, or I've seen this before. Yeah, George not only created those, but uh, I want my MTV, uh, you coined that phrase. Uh, there, as you mentioned earlier in today's interview, Lean Cuisine, you came up with that concept and as well as the, uh, the name. Uh, you are quoted in the book, and I think, you know, it's a great, uh, a great chapter that makes that point. 
uh, as saying, if you do it right, it will live forever. And, and it not only lives forever, as the ones I just mentioned, but in tying back with what you just said, not only will it live forever, but it also becomes a part, a fabric of of the culture, of the, uh, uh, and you'll hear it being used on Johnny Carson back you know, in your not day. Only does it become, not only does it kind of become a part of the culture, it could become, you know, a, a, a part that kind of created the culture, something that nailed down what was going on. Somehow, you know, when you, when you think of the culture, uh, I, I, my Esquire covers that are now all installed in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Museum of Modern Art, um, you know, somehow, if you look at those covers, uh, that's the history of uh, of the '60s. Uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, you know, one of the and one, the one I, I think I show one in in, in uh, the book where um, uh, you know, in um, I showed uh, John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, who I did it, the I did his advertising campaign for the Senate in, in New York, and Dr. King standing in beautiful light in the middle of Arlington Cemetery you know all you know, our three our three martyred uh, leaders um, uh, you know um, w when I think of the 60s and I think of the terrible times that, that we had we went through uh, uh, that cover says it all mm -hmm. you know there's our three great leaders and it's amazing what we lost when those three men, uh, you know, uh, were assassinated. Three assassinated. Uh, can you think about it? Three assassinated great men, yeah. you know, and um, and somehow uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I just uh, picked it up. I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm choking looking at it to, to this day. Yeah, and, and the subhead underneath the 35th anniversary issue back in October '68 is salvaging the 20th century, which really says a uh, you know says in in short words, what you're showing visually there. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to figure out you know we're trying to figure out how to uh, how to uh, salvage what the hell we went through and, and and go on to greater things. You know, and and and, 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 and of course we're in the same situation these days with uh, what's happening in America. You know. Well, let's let's end this with uh, chapter one twenty five. Uh, in t uh, part of your title says you are the master of your fate, and that's not to be confused with the Seinfeld I episode that we all remember. But <laughs> you say you are not only the master of your fate, but more importantly, you are the captain of your soul. And, George, before you talk about what that really means, I want to compliment you that was not accidental in the, on the assemblage of all of these 125 chapters, that they are assembled in such a way that it ends on such an upbeat, positive uh, number of chapters that when you conclude reading this book, and it, right. it won't take much to read it, but there's uh, wonderful advice at $10 a pop. you got to buy not only one for yourself, but uh, several for your friends and associates. But, uh, but it, it, you may, it makes you want to just get up out of your seat upon reading your book and go out and, and just do something exciting because it's an exciting business we're in. So you say you're not only the master of your fate, you're the captain of your soul. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I'm, you know, with, um, I just believe that, you know, everybody has lucky breaks or unhappy breaks and terrible things happen to you. You know, I, I lost my 20-year-old son 30 years ago, you know. Um, I, I, you know, it, it, it should, should have broken me and, and my wife, but somehow, you know, we endure, you know. But I believe a person still decides their own fate, you know, that they are... 
that they ordain, you know, what kind of life they're going to leave, they're going to live, and what they believe in, and what kind of work they produce. So you can decide, in the world of creativity, you can decide that no one can make you produce bad work. You know, I mean, you have no excuse to do bad work. You know, if they can't, if you don't, if you got the right stuff, they can't stop you. And, and I, I use the, and, and of course the term, you are the master of your fate, you are the captain of your soul, you know, is Nelson Mandela is uh, actually, um, uh, who uh, was read that poem called Invictus, which was written in, uh, by the English poet uh, William Henley, uh, I guess in 1875, when he was incarcerated at Robin, um, uh, Island prisoner for 27 years. He read that poem to his fellow prisoners, you know, um, uh, which empowered uh, all of them, uh, you know, with its message of self mastery. And you know, the uh, and um, 27 years in jail, and and he and he and this he, he lived night and day, you know, with this poem. You know, out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. And there's two other stanzas that it ends with. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged the punishments to scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the master of my soul. You know, I mean, these are they're, they're incredible words. It says, it says, you know, don't give me any excuses. Don't tell me what, you know, don't tell me. I mean, yeah, we all have lucky breaks and we all have the worst breaks in the world, you know. But you still, but you still decide your own fate. You absolutely decide your own fate. And um, and what I'm telling young people is, you know, don't let, you know, don't bullshit a bullshitter. You know, listen, look, at, read my advice. Look at my advice. Take it to heart. I know what I'm talking about. I'm teaching you how to be passionate. How to how to be how to be authentic. How to not. Have not do fake work. I'm teaching you how to create, to, to reject con and create icon. You want to master your fate. You want to capture your soul, and you know, and 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 the only way to live your life, the only only way to fulfill your destiny, is to be who you are and to do it passionately and do it with all the with all the meaningfulness in the, in, 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 in the world. I want to say thanks as always to George for. Such great commentary. It's always fun to visit George Lois and hear what he has to say. Damn good advice for people with talent. We're getting very close to the March 14th publication date of this book. He's even made it affordable, okay? So there's no reason not to go out and pick up a copy. Uh, Damn good advice for people with talent being published in March, March 14th. So go get the book, and uh, hope you like today's uh, show, part two of the show, and hope you continue to uh, support us here at The Advertising Show as we have done for, uh, well, gosh, the past, uh, now going on 11 years, uh, which has uh, been a lot of fun for Brad and myself as well. So, with that said, The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is propelled and supported also by our good friends at Shipple. Ed Shipple and his crew do an incredible job and have been doing so for so many years for The Advertising Show. The platform is called Tendency, and it's a, a killer marketing platform for the web, as you might uh, think that the advertising show deserves, and we got it in Ed's crew. So it's S-C-H-I-P-U-L dot com, Ed Schiffel here at Houston Mail Market. And the advertising show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon.
Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications. And it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.